الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد والذين آمنوا أشد حبا لله والذين آمنوا أشد حبا لله وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أحب الله بكل قلوبكم If you, if you look around in this world, you see a lot of attraction. Many things have attraction to others. For example, if somebody looks at the wall, there's no attraction to it. But if it's a nice wall, a nice design on the wall, nice painting, nice decor, aesthetically pleasing, then we'd probably have attraction to the beauty of it, not to the wall, but to the beauty of the wall. So, Jamal. So, everybody in this world is predisposed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to something or the other. Some things have that connection, while other things just don't have that connection. Either because, I mean, I'm not talking about subdued uh, attractions where a person has worked so hard to remove a certain attraction. Um, there are some things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has just not placed an attraction. Just intrinsically there is no attraction. It's not supposed to be any attraction. So, if we look at what human beings are attracted to, generally whatever we become attracted to, that develops into love. So the human has the ability to love. And the attracting factors could be many, whatever that is, whether it be wealth, beauty, knowledge, um, benevolence, a number of other factors. And many of the things in this world that happen, many events that take place, many relationships that are built, the way many people pass their lives is because of that attraction. If that attraction wasn't there and if everybody was just neutral towards each other, how do you think that would be? If there was no attraction to anyone, then you'd have no... The reason why you help somebody out is because you have some association with them. You're attracted to them because of the mercy that you have, the compassion that you have, the gentleness in your nature that you feel towards this person. If there was no attraction, no seeds would germinate. Because clearly there's a different form of interaction that's taking place with the seed that's inside the ground. Otherwise, if there was no reaction and attraction in that sense, there's a reaction because there's an attraction of some sort. Most of the time it's a positive attraction, sometimes a negative attraction. So no seed would germinate. In a circus, you see that... In a circus, you see that no the lion tamer is able to ride the lion, put his mouth inside the lion's mouth. We can't do that, but the lion tamer can, can because he's developed a certain connection with the lion because he feeds that lion. You have to, this is the way they work with animals. They, it's all based on ihsan. You have to feed them. So after everything that you make them do, you have to feed them. Which almost seems like a kind of a bribe 
But at the end of the day, they're playing on the animal's instinct of ihsan and loving the one that is morphed into it. So animals do it obviously in a kind of an indiscriminate way, except when they lose it sometimes, like in SeaWorld in San Diego. It's quite an interesting show that they put on with those big whales. But then at least once or twice, those whales have those uh, orcas, those uh, killer whales they are. They're literally killer whales. But you've got uh, these men and women who are playing around with them, riding on them, throwing them up in the air, putting... But then sometimes they will lose it and they will just take that same tamer they've been working for 10 years, 15 years and khalas, make it a meal. So that's, that's the nature of this world though. So now, why shouldn't a human then love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he has all the attributes of perfection and attraction that, would, that you would be attracted to anyone else for, for a partial reason? For a partial attribution characteristic, you'd be attracted to someone else. Allah has all of these things and more. So why shouldn't a human be attracted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's why we should only love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He should be foremost. And everything else that we need to love is because of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what the ulama say is that cut away from people like a like a conscious uh, like a conscious uh, action that you do of I'm cutting away from people so I'm not I'm not I don't want association with people because of my own self let me associate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then I want to associate with people for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then that association with people will become superior will become much more enhanced much more beneficial and then you, we will not fall prey to feeling left out, abandoned, disregarded, ignored, if anything goes wrong. Because Allah is never going to ignore us. So then the person that we're with, or we're associated with, somebody in our class, somebody in our work, somebody, a friend, a neighbor, whoever it may be, if they, for some reason, become selfish and look elsewhere, go elsewhere, it doesn't matter. My sake, my my relationship with you for for the sake of Allah, Allah is still with me. So then everything becomes easy. That's why those people who have tawakkul they're not harmed by anything in this world. Their only fear is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Um, on certain, um, you you get these password apps that rather than remember a password for every single thing that you log into, let this app do all of that for you so you just give it a master password and then anytime you have to log into anything it'll deal with it you just have to worry about your master password so this is the master connection then you don't then he manages all these other connections for you he deals with it for you of course the, you can't just do this overnight it's difficult to do this overnight it has to be built up sometimes if you get into ecstatic life-changing moment and you do change overnight what happens with a lot of people is sometimes they have an event in their life and they change overnight so now they've gone from number one to number five or number seven 
it's very easy to fall back to number one because the jump was quite artificial in a sense. When I mean artificial, I don't mean completely artificial. I mean it was, uh, it was just a, a quick boost because of a exceptional reason. Now, what happens generally in that elevated spiritual state is that you have to quickly build up on that state to that level, otherwise you'll fall back down. But there's a benefit that you've been boosted up there. Now carry on, work hard, so that you can stay at that state. But you can't just enjoy that state and not work hard because you will fall back down, because that was just a boost. It wasn't where you actually climbed up, you'll actually fall back down. You don't have the ability to stay up there. You haven't developed the fortitude to stay up there. So that's why they say that if you have special tawajju, as they say, special attention, an outpouring from the Shaykh, and Mona Ashavari Tanwi writes about this, he said that sometimes um, going into the company of an increasingly pious person will give you that quick boost. Or when you go to some of the Naqshbandi Mashayikh and they'll give you the finger, as they call it, and you'll get a real boost and you'll actually feel it. So they've pumped you up. But now if you don't develop yourself to be up there, you'll actually come back down. It's nice to be up there, but then why not be up there all the time? Or on a higher level. So we must love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that must be our goal. Now I don't want to talk about this just theoretically, but we need to speak about it. Uh, we need to speak about this theoretically to start with, so we know the framework and we know where to get, get to. But this discussion obviously also requires a practical solution. Because in theory it all sounds nice, but how do we actually do it? How do we deal with the problem that keeps us out, that keeps us down? That's the question. So in theory it all sounds very nice, and inshallah if we could just get there in theory then it would be very nice. But there are a lot of hindrances, a lot of obstacles, a lot of problems that keep us back. In fact, we have an enemy who's sworn to do that for us, which is the shaitan. فَاتَّخِذُوهُ عَدُوَ He's your adu, he's your enemy, he, take him as your enemy. So the humans should only love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because everything from their mere existence to everything they will need even more so in the hereafter because there it will be direct ihsan. In this, in this world, it's generally behind a veil through others. So there's a lot of intermediaries, that's why there's, there is room for confusion and that's why many people are confused as to who's giving them and who's not giving them. But in the hereafter, it'll be clear, straightforward, there'll be no, no veils whatsoever. All the veils will be lifted. So, only love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But, if we do start to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then obviously it comes with certain conditions, everything comes with conditions. If you love someone and then suddenly, for example... If the wife is bringing another man in the house for whatever reason, a bit too often, maybe he's maybe he's an electrician or something, but she she seems to be inviting a bit too often. There's going to be a problem. In fact, there's going to be an issue. If the husband is bringing or speaking to a woman a bit too often, seems to be getting a bit too comfortable it doesn't seem normal, then there's going to be a jealousy there. Because it's against the love aspect. <coughs> love needs to be pure in that sense. Unless it's decided in the case where a person has two wives, it's done. And it's a done deal. It's done. Yeah. There's still going to be jealousy there, but at least it's a done deal and it's, it's formal. It's understood. And it's allowed and it's formal, so it's allowed. 
But when it comes to any normal situation, just like the demand of that love that you have for each other requires that there's no pollution to that, there's no adulteration, there's no sidestepping, there's no other, there's nothing else that's uh, going, going to become a hindrance. So then why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like it when we claim to love Him? We go about claiming to love Him. We want to love Him. But then we're also with others. That's why the hadith is Ahibullah bikulli qulubikum. If you can love Allah with all your heart. That is the sign of somebody who's a true believer. Those people who believe they are intensely in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does that make us? If that's what it describes the believers as, then what kind of believers are we that the most intense love we have is not for Allah? Claiming something by the tongue is very easy, but actually doing it, and the, especially at challenging moments, is when the test really comes. Mahabbat and love, uh, in Arabic it's called mahabbat, it's an act of the heart. The limbs just follow that. But it's really an act of the heart. This is an abstract concept which is manifested in this, in this tangible way where we do certain things with our tongue and our body. But the love has to be in the heart. It can't be anywhere else. So if a person is praying, that is only an act of love if it's coming from the heart. Not if it's just an obligation being fulfilled if the heart is really intensely in there in that prayer then it's a it's an act of the heart otherwise it's just an obligation that we've intellectually convinced ourselves we must do so if we're praying as an obligation then we've just intellectually convinced ourselves that that's what we must do but it's not coming from our heart because we're not enjoying it so the only way to make that prayer something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to make it from the heart, not just from the mind. I am making a distinction between heart and mind here. Because there is a distinction. I'm saying rationally and emotionally. So there is the emotional aspect of the heart where you're in it. It's you. And that is uh, something with your heart is going to be much more personal than something that is just rationally understood. Rationally understood, you've seen, okay, if I don't pray, I believe in those so there is a level of emotion of the belief aspect of it, the fundamental belief, whether that be as big as a mustard seed or small as a mustard seed. But everything that comes off there, salat, zakat, hajj, fasting, compassion to others, etc., all of that is still on just a rational level that we've convinced ourselves that it must be done. I believe in the Prophet wasallam. He told us to do these things. I've seen the verses that talk about punishment. So I do have that kind of feeling. So there is a bit of a heart in there, but most of it is just rational. All of that needs to become heartfelt. It needs to become from the heart. And that has to be built up. It's not going to happen overnight, as I said. And going back to what I said in the beginning, you could get a boost from somewhere. And it'd be wonderful if you get a lot of these boosts. You know, it'd be really nice because it'll keep pushing you up. Then eventually you get used to it, you know. But you have to work hard. That's why Ahibullah Bikulli Qulubikum. Now imagine it. Let's talk about physical pleasures. How do physical pleasures 
feel. I mean, it's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, there's so much pleasure that you get from eating a dish that's supposed to be very pleasing. A nice hotel, nice restaurant. You know, living in a nice hotel for a few days with everything at your service. Nice big rooms. You know, breakfast that is as big as this house. Meaning breakfast hall that is as big as this house. You know, with different types of food that, you know, you can't even try everything, you know. So, there is a certain pleasure. The pleasure of listening to a nice voice. The pleasure of intimacy. The pleasure of whether that be nice scenery, whatever it may be. The, the physically, you know, the, there's no denying that there's a pleasure in that. Whatever a person is pleased by and whatever a person gets their pleasure through, there's a great amount of pleasure. That's physical pleasure. And that's just an exterior aspect of pleasure where our limbs, our hands, if it's touch, our eyes, if it's seeing something, our ears, if it's about hearing something, and our tongue, if it's tasting something, is transferring the, the, the signals of that pleasure to our heart and we feel so much pleasure. So imagine then if the pleasure of the heart is felt directly, then imagine how much is that's going to be because that's going to be directly. One parallel to that is that uh, doing dhikr with the tongue is very important but it's like taking a tablet in the way it will affect you. Whereas doing dhikr with the heart is like intravenous. So in that same kind of parallel, if we know the sheer amount of pleasure that we get from touching something, from uh, hearing something, listening something to something, seeing something, then imagine if the directly the pleasure it comes into the heart directly. But unfortunately, we never get to, to find that pleasure, to taste that pleasure. Otherwise, we'd probably forget all other pleasures. And now everything makes sense of the awliya Allah that they seem to diminish every other type of pleasure. And you wonder why? I don't get a pleasure out of eating this great food. There's a big deal about it. You know, they don't seem to have the same kind of pleasures as we do. Because they've, they've, they've tasted something better. They know how to get that pleasure. So you can rationalize this whole concept. It's just realizing it. So if the pleasures of the limbs are to be felt, then imagine the pleasures of the heart. But because we've never tasted it, so how are we going to know about it? I mean, the simple example people give is that until a child doesn't mature, it doesn't, it has absolutely no idea what it means to to be baligh, what it means to feel that sexual fulfillment, that feeling of sexual fulfillment it is. And Imam Ghazali, he writes that marriage and sexual intercourse in marriage is a realization, is a, an indication towards the pleasures of paradise. Because one of the highest levels of pleasure that people will have is sexual fulfillment. And they say that this is one indication of what kind of pleasure will be in paradise. It's momentary, but it's so great and so intense. And when in Jannah, it's going to be even more, even more so. And I'm only saying this not to speak about sexual pleasure in particular, but it's to speak about the pleasure of the heart in general. And again, the sexual pleasure is just the pleasure of the limb. It's an external pleasure at the end of the day. Only when a person has tasted it, then he will want to call his Lord for hours and enjoy it. 
Because nowadays if you're speaking to a beloved You don't mind speaking for hours and hours and hours Any time in the night the call comes Text message There's a certain feeling The fluttering of the heart Certain quivering and wavering inside It's just a nice feeling So if you could have the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Then you don't mind speaking to him for hours And that's why the Prophet could speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for hours in prayer And enjoy it And despite being said, why do you need to do this? He knew what he was feeling He knew what he was feeling That's why there's nobody who could take him away from that pleasure What's very interesting is that it's only the human who has the ability to have ishq with Allah. This level of pleasure is called ishq. It's this extra level of love where you know you give your full self to it and you enjoy it. Obviously when we say enjoy it, it's not like enjoying sexual pleasure, right? Which is animalistic at the end of the day, right? This is, this is going to be a pleasure that's Worthy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to be gained from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So it's not a sexual pleasure But I'm just saying the intensity of it will be more than that So only the human has the ability to do ishq The animals don't Though they worship They worship more regularly And more constantly And do not sin at all Generally right? Than the human But theirs is all automated Theirs is automated Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them ma'soom like that The human has the ability To be connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And go much higher than even the angels So even the angels, the ulama say Don't have the ability of ishq Because they're just performing a function <clears throat> They are just performing a function so even though Jibreel Islam is so high and he knows more secrets than anybody else and you know he's met the prophets and all the rest of it the prophets of this world are higher than the angels because the human has this ability of ishq which probably jinns do but no other creature that's not responsible so the angels don't even have that ability they love Allah because of the way now all of this is just from the zahiri aspect of it Because if you look at it from a theological perspective It's Allah who gives it to us at the end of the day So he's behind everything anyway But at least we feel it not to be automated We feel that it's a conscious decision that we're making And a constant ascendancy to that level So only the human has the ability For that ishq For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The problem is that we are If we can even Say that we have a level of ishq Our level of ishq is what they call Ishq ihsani We are ashiqeen ihsani What that means is that Our ishq is when Allah favors us And things are going right in our life Then we feel comfortable and nice enough to Good enough to, to worship Him And to go extra and think about Him And thank Him and praise Him And remember Him But when it comes to any adversities, then we leave him. We become focused on the work 
that we're supposed to do or the work that's been created or the obligation that's happened and we forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even now to ask Him in that state that you know, you've given me bounty for so many, many, many years and now in this state I must still remember you to have that conscious decision and to understand it's coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how He wants to re- us to react in that state. So what we need to become is ashik dhati which means just pure personal intrinsic lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not because of a reason because all the reasons are there and they never go away it's just because we're not so because the veils come in they veil us from those points and that's why we then in adversity we turn away and in I think a lot of us, we actually probably work on, because we know that if you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can't love the world. Love of the world will uh, preclude love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now how do we do this? You can either start focusing on taking the love of the world away, and then hopefully then work on love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming in. The way that we're trying to follow is focus on just loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and do that more and more. That's I, I believe that this is one of the ways of the Naqshbandi way at least. right? Is to focus on that. So that slowly, slowly, as the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes in, it will start to push the, the love of the world away. The other way is obviously to focus on the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but more the focus is on clearing your heart of the love of the world. And then, so focusing differently, which is a tougher way. And you don't feel the same kind of and you know, as I said, we are people who like to feel. So the, the way of increasing the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then let, let that do the, the work. Of course, then you have to, we have to also take part in that. That is an easier way to work. So that's why to increase our dhikr. To increase our dhikr. The more dhikr we do, the more you speak about someone the more love and then we're actually remembering him which is an exercise the more you do any type of exercise the better you get at it now of course with anything else of the world if you really focus on it for um, 20 days 30 days a month you're going to get really good at it if you bike every day for 30 days you're going to get good at it your confidence is going to get much better. Before you're walking, you're a bit wobbly when your buses are going past you, cars are going past you, you're like, you know, uh, because you're driving on the road. But afterwards, it's just going to be like big deal. Let's just go. You know, you, you just move and you're oblivious to everything else. You're on a track. But the thing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is because we've got so much in our heart, it could take longer. We've got so much else in our heart, it could just take longer for that to remove. Love of Allah and love of the world cannot unite in our heart at the same time. Having full love for the world, full love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's impossible. So it has to be love for Allah must dominate. So now on a practical level, we've understood this consciously. Rationally, we've understood this. Generally, people don't talk about the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you hear the bayans, it's all about, brothers, you must pray. Brothers, you must stop looking at the haram. You must not cheat. You must not do this, you must not do that. We're always addressing the symptoms. Our khutbas are always addressing the 
symptoms. We don't talk about the 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 the, the fundamental powerhouse of this all. And that's why, for example, so once uh, I must have given a talk somewhere, and somebody said, "Why didn't you talk to them about you know their problem with music, or watching TV, or something like that?" So I said, "Because they don't even consider it wrong." So for me to attack that directly, they don't have the basis of how to deal with that aspect. When you don't have the iman, how can you make feel, somebody feel guilty about why they listen to music? If they don't know what the problem is, what they're violating. Right? So most of our khutbahs are about those symptoms. We don't deal with the center powerhouse that's going to help all of these things. That's why somebody... Uh, when I started my imamate in America I spoke about the evils of TV you shouldn't have a TV etc and there was a guy who was a very sincere guy four years later he told me that when I first heard you he was a PhD student and now he'd memorized the Quran he was memorizing all these Maliki, Fit texts etc he said that when I first heard you saying that TV is problematic or whatever he thought I, was your, I thought you were genuinely crazy like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about what is he telling us to do? Why? Because the idea of TV we have in this country, in our circles, is much more different than in America, where TV is kind of like normal. It's part of the decor of the house. Everyone in many rooms, there's always one playing in the kitchen. It's not even like in England, generally, you put the TV on to watch and then you put it off and you're not watching it. But in America, it just stays on. It's like part and parcel of it. It's just not a big deal. So, that's what if you've been to Costco, that it's that, that's an American concept. Big big trolleys, so that you can just put in anything in there quite easily because then they give you a money back guarantee for you know. So, so it's just about indulging, indulging makes it easy for you to do this. So that you know. it's all very dunyawi. It's very dunyawi. So he th- he said, I really thought you were crazy. Like you just didn't know what you were talking about. So they they, they this is a symptom of another problem, but we're not dealing with the problem here. I should be talking. I should have been talking to them at that time of just increasing your iman or what it means to be a Muslim. What are the demands of a believer? What are the demands of our connection with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? So much of the malady that we hear, we see outside, right, is why are you here for? Don't you get enough islah outside? And but no, because mostly what we're dealing with outside is the symptoms. We're not dealing with the root cause of the problem, and that's why there are dhikr majalis. In, around the country that's why people become attracted to them because they're trying to understand the root cause of all of these things and once that root cause is built up all of these things will go away of course you need the knowledge of all of these things as well it's not to say you shouldn't speak about them at all but that's why if you're ever giving a khutbah anywhere you're ever speaking to some people look at the root cause don't attack the symptom when there's no point this is just such a western way of doing things now try to cover up the symptoms. Look at the root cause of these things. If you build on that root cause, then inshallah, if the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creeps into the heart, then you'll see it will make a massive difference. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. He's put us on this path. You know, we've been connected to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa through this silsil of tawbah. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now, He has given us the ability to make that tawbah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now embellish our hearts with, with His remembrance. So the practical way to do it is to just try to think about it as much as possible. In whatever we're doing, 
though we forget Allah for hours, hopefully not for days, right? even though we're praying five times a day, we still don't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is such a weird, how do you reconcile that? Well, you know, only, you know, we know that we can do that, right? But otherwise, I don't know how we reconcile that. But we do forget Allah for hours. Sometimes we're engrossed in something and we, we, we haven't thought of Allah. What I mean by we haven't thought of Allah, we just, He didn't even come into the picture. But if in a day we're thinking about Him ten times, it's better than thinking about Him just two times or no times at all. So we just have to increase in the number of times we think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which means, and the way to do this is, is concern. How do I become a better person? When, when you get the interest of becoming a more sincere individual, then you will start checking every act of yours. I'm studying, I'm working, I'm doing this act, I'm doing this act. Is it for Allah or not? And of course, haram acts, they should definitely remind us of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they're haram. So it's to try to maximize remembrance of Allah, which is what this dhikr will help us to do. But this is exactly the wuquf qalbi we're speaking about. Once a person needs a high level of wuquf qalbi where he's constantly in connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that's when the dhikr changes. It's a different type of dhikr then. It's a fikr after that. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimin. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Oh Allah, oh Allah, accept our du'as. Oh Allah, accept our pious intentions. Oh Allah, grant us sincerity. Oh Allah, grant us sincerity. Oh Allah, allow, allow your love to come from our hearts. Oh Allah, allow our deen to become something that comes from our heart and not just rationalized. Oh Allah, allow us to worship you with our full heart. O oh Allah, allow us to love you. O oh Allah, allow us to love you. O oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those who love you. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, infuse our hearts with your love and allow the dunya to leave. O oh Allah, allow the dunya to leave. Allow the dunya to leave. O oh Allah, allow our connections in this world to be connections that are done for your sake. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you assist us and grant us tawfiq and you do not forsake us. O oh Allah, anybody you forsake will become of the wretched ones. O oh Allah, we ask that you make us of the fortunate ones, those who are constantly in your care. O oh Allah, those that are constantly in your care. O oh Allah, you're the ni'mal wakil. O oh Allah, you're the ni'mal wakil. And we say, Allah. We say that you're sufficient for us. Oh Allah, allow that to fully come from our hearts. Allow that to be a full practice in our life. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you treat us with your mercy. Oh Allah, in the Quran you told Musa salam and Harun salam to speak gently to Fir'aun. Oh Allah, you said, فَقُولَا لَهُ قَوْلَ لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَّرُ أَوْ يَخْشَى O oh Allah, you told Musa and Harun to speak softly and gently to Fir'aun 
And Fir'aun was one who used to say, Ana Rabbukum al-A'la, I am your highest Lord. Oh Allah, if that's what you're, if that is your advice to Musa alayhi salam and Harun alayhi salam to speak to someone who claims to be Lord, who claims to be competition to you, then oh Allah, we can hope for greater mercy from you for us because we in our sajda we say, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la, glorified be to our Lord who is most high. Oh Allah, we ask you through that mercy. We ask you through that mercy. Oh Allah, these are the indications we take from the Qur'an and from your interaction with others and from the manifestation of the mercies of your prophets in this world that we, can, we know your mercy is higher than that. We know we can invoke your mercy. But oh Allah, we ask that you do not deprive just us from your mercy. Don't make us of the unfortunate. Don't make us of the unfortunate. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, allow this to become a reality in our lives. Make it easy for us. It's easy to speak about this and to listen to this and to feel that we want this. But grant us true ishq in our hearts. Oh Allah, grant us true ishq in our hearts. Oh Allah, make us the true servants that we're supposed to be. Oh Allah, make us how you want us. Oh Allah, make us how you want us. Oh Allah, everything that you hate in our hearts, you take it out. Oh Allah, everything that's in our hearts that you dislike, oh Allah, remove it. Oh Allah, we remove it. Our hearts are yours. Oh Allah, remove it and make them as you want them. Oh Allah, make our hearts and ourselves as you want them. Oh Allah, oh Allah, all the disobediences, make them despicable in our sight. Oh Allah, all the obediences, make them beloved in our sight so that we want to do more of them. We want to more of them. Oh Allah, any difficulties we're having in life, oh Allah, remove them. Oh Allah, allow our trust and reliance in you to grow and to increase. And oh Allah, oh Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. Protect us from wrong knowledge. Oh Allah, allow us to use our time wisely and productively. Oh Allah, allow us to leave a, a positive mark in this world that people will remember us by and pray for us and pray for us. Oh Allah, allow us to make investments of this nature. Oh Allah, allow us, accept us all for the service of your deen. Oh Allah, accept us all for the service of your deen. Oh Allah, accept us all in a way that we leave behind a good mention so that people will will pray for us, O oh Allah. But more importantly, make that mention high in your sight. O oh Allah, more importantly, make that mention high in your sight. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, make that high. make that mention high in your sight. O oh Allah, we ask that you make the best of our days the day that we stand in front of you. O oh Allah, send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And grant us and our children his company on the day of judgment. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun al mursaleen walhamdulillah.